Welcome into the Locked On Senators podcast. The whole crew is here today to finally break down a win. Pillsy was at the game last night, and we will get his opinion on the newly dubbed nickname for Mark Borvietsky. And we introduce a brand new segment to our show, and we will continue the tradition of the Tankathon right here on the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Pilsy, you had the honor of being at the game last night that Boro Cop became, in the words of Brady Kachuk, nail gun. What was that like? Well, boys, I I love going to Buffalo. I mean, uh, I've been to Buffalo a couple times, Bills games. Well, Ross and I didn't have a, such a great experience going to Buffalo for the Outdoor World Juniors game a couple years ago. But quick drive from Toronto, you're, you're getting NHL hockey at a decent price. Got to see the Sens play, and my God, somebody get borrow a contract because this guy is putting it all on the line i mean to i can't believe he even kept playing after uh the game against the devils where he got a stick shoved pretty much right up his eye and then in this game he uh gets a knee injury kind of twists and falls awkwardly then comes back blocks two shots and then banks an empty netter off the boards from his own end to pretty much uh, seal the game there so Boro, this guy's got to be an Ottawa Senator for at least a couple more years because he is a heart and soul guy, and the guys just love him. Like, the the reaction from Dylan DeMello, he was absolutely loving it, and Boro, I think, was in so much pain from blocking two shots, he didn't even really sell his, his goal, but you got to love Boro, and that was a great win for the Ottawa Senators in Buffalo. Must have been a pool player back in the day, as Doc Emmerich from NBC would say, uh, that bank-in goal. And Ross, I know you liked that goal because you uh, tweeted about him from the Twitter account last night. Yeah, 100%. Probably the second most Mark Borowiecki-ish goal of his career. I always go back to 2016. And actually, one of the guys uh, who follows us on Twitter, at Send Central, uh, I'd love to throw his name out there, but I can't remember right now. Anyways, he found it, and there's a clip up. I retweeted it as well, where... Boro rings it around the boards from behind his own net, and it also pops out. So he's got a good relationship with the boards, uh, seems to know where they bounce, and uh, ends up in the back of the net at the other end. So you got to love it. The evolution of Boro has been one of the best stories this season. And how about this, the uh, the fact that he's getting all the offense from the back end? Going into the game against Buffalo, the Sens only had 10 goals from their decor this season, and Boro had five of them. Well, he had two more, so seven on the season. Um, and Zaitsev adding the empty netter where you didn't know whether it was him or Tierney who got their stick on it. They both kind of helped each other um, also from about their own hash mark. So two goals the Sens scored from their own end, same that Buffalo got the whole game. So all in all, a successful uh, second half of back-to-back, and now they wait until Friday. And boys, Boro's becoming a little bit of a triple threat here. You mentioned he's got his career high in goals, but he's also... Fourth in the league in hits, but the big one last night was the uh, blocked shots where he led the team with a with four blocked shots, and this team is uh, really kind of falling behind that. But, you know, he's also sixth in the league in blocked shots. I think that was a big thing DJ pointed out at the start of the year where, you know, we were going to get in front of the puck, and uh, it was definitely how they were finding success and winning games because they were blocking a lot of shot, and that trend has kind of continued and definitely borrows at the top of that. But I mentioned he's fourth in the league in hits but he's second on the team in hits. And that's behind Brady Kachuk, who's 19 back of league leader Ryan Reeves. And last night, Brady looked good, Ross. Yeah, 
He sure did. He's done that little touch pass play two games in a row now, both resulting in goals. So that's going to be something he's going to add, I'm assuming, to his arsenal. The way that uh, Ferrero explained it, uh, who's doing the color for the game for TSN, I loved how he, I think it was on the uh, the Mike Riley goal, yeah, the, the game winner, where Brady was just parked in front of the net. And he just sets yeah. himself up so that there's no chance of goalie interference. At the very worst, somebody's going to push him in, which is fine. And it's it's just awesome to watch his uh, his game grow. And uh, wh- which one do you think was better? Uh, I'm gonna throw this back to you, Parley, with a question. The pass, um, not the touch pass, because that ended up on Shabbat's stick. So Shabbat's spinning pass, the primary assist, or Drake's on the second goal, both filthy. It was filthy, and it was something that. Uh... I was surprised at with Kachuk because like you mentioned on the Ryan O'Reilly goal, he's in his office, he's parked out front and he's kind of Johnny on the spot, tough guy to move. But then in this one, he's flying through boys. I got to watch the replay again. Cause I'm not quite sure, but I think he was on his inside edges on this goal. <laughs> A guy that's maybe not the, uh, the best looking skater on the ice, but that touch little pass over to Thomas Shabbat was pretty impressive, but actually I'm going to give it to Batherson on this one, that one flying across the ice tape to tape. And then, you had a wide open net for Ennis. So Pilsy, I guess you were there. Let's we've got all the replays uh we can watch at home, but you were in the building. Which one looked better live? By the way, I'm I was disgusted that you're wearing a Hassock jersey, a <laughs> Buffalo jersey that game. It's disgusting. <laughs> I, I was gonna get your opinion on that before the game, but I, I think I already knew your reaction. But it was a last second decision. I was honestly, I had my Sens jersey on and then I have the Hassock jan- jersey hanging in my condo and I saw it and I thought, you know what, this is a good time to wear it. I want to do it. And my seats happen to be right under the Hassock banner. So it worked out pretty good. It's no, something it I probably will never do again, but uh, it felt good to do it that night. And I got some respect from some Sabres fans. So that that was a nice uh, change Bander. of pace. <laughs> I'll I'll accept those insults. They're they're worthy. But I I agree I agree with you, Parley. That Batherson pass was absolutely incredible because he fed that right through the the Sabres penalty killing the box they had set up right through and right to Ennis. And you know it's an amazing pass when the second Ennis scores. What's the first thing he does? He points at Batherson and says, "Nice pass." Like those two have had some really good chemistry lately and. Batherson, I think, has really had a change in mindset since he's been called up this time. He seems to have a lot less pressure on him. I feel like before he had so much pressure on him and maybe he thought he needed to be more effective offensively. But now he's just playing with more confidence, more poise. And he's looking a lot better at the NHL level, which is probably one of the main reasons why he's still up here and uh, not back in Belleville. And uh, I mean, the power play looked good last night with him on it, and it didn't look like the second worst power play in the league. The Devils is only 0.3% worse than the Senators, 14.4%. So we talked about him looking good on the right side. Definitely that uh, that set play in front of the net, that bumper play that Ross was talking about, Brady Kachuk. It seems like he's definitely getting going there. So the power play looked good last night. Brady looked good last night. And so did Anthony Duclair. It was funny. They put a camera on him kind of ISO at the start of the game. And it looked like he was saying, let's get it going. Let's go talking to his legs a little bit, trying to will them to put something in the net because he's not scored in 12 straight games, boys. But Pillar, we were talking a little off air. You said he looked good last night. He led the team with nine shots on goal. Just couldn't bury one. That's his career high too. Yeah. Oh, I, I believe it. I mean, nine shots on goal is just ridiculous. And, 
like you said, he hasn't scored in a while. So I don't know whether the boys had a bunch of money on the board for him to get a goal. I knew I put some money uh, on Duclair to get a goal. He was close. It had me driving driving nuts, biting my nails, thinking he was going to get it, especially in the first period. I think it was Colin White fed a pass to him all alone in the slot. And Allmark just absolutely robs him. You can see Duclair looking to the heavens after that one. Can't believe he didn't get it. But he was just playing with so much... Uh, like force like he really wanted to get that puck to the net at any cost and Duclair is just looking more and more every day like an all-star like he was and deservedly so because this guy is the driving force of this Senators uh, offense really I mean nine shots on goal what more can you say and that was only in 15 minutes of ice time so he made the most of his shifts and Duclair is going to snap this goal streak real soon I wouldn't even be surprised if against Washington he gets that monkey off his back. Well, he might be hearing footsteps behind him because his 21 goals still lead the team, but we got to give stick taps to Jean-Gabriel Pajot setting a career high with his 20th of the season. He's also one point behind Duclair for the team lead. Uh, so is Connor Brown, who's uh, obviously had a really strong season as well. So some intrigue here with Brady Kachuk also kind of nipping on the heels with 29 points for the uh, the team lead with Duclair still holding strong, but the gap's really shrunken here uh, in the last two, three weeks. And Ross, I'm glad you said stick taps to J.G. Pajot because that's kind of the perfect lead-up to the next segment. And that is The Clash. We'll call it The Clash because the old song, Should I Stay or Should I Go by the band The Clash. Uh, took some liberties of naming this segment, boys. Hope you like it. J.G. Pajot, though. His contract's coming up at the end of this year, and he's definitely put together a season Ross you just mentioned it career high 20 goals he's added 12 assists for 32 points already so the question is should he stay or should he go this is the new segment and Ross I'm going to throw it to you first should he stay or should he go well to answer first and then explain after yeah he should stay because ultimately um you need some sort of continuity. I have the same answer in terms of Mark Borowiecki I think they should both stay um and then if you want to dig even deeper it centers a little bit crowded, and whether Colin White is going to produce or project long term as a center or winger, I guess is still kind of up in the air, which you don't usually want to hear for your highest paid forward. But um, down the middle, I think it's a choice between Pajot and Chris Tierney. Chris Tierney being the RFA uh, after this season, so not as much um, maybe buzz or notoriety leading up to the deadline about him. He's the guy who I think out of the two, I would lean towards moving. You can still probably get some good value from him because his offensive numbers are strong. Um, he's, he's actually uh, produced a lot more offensively than I thought he would uh, when he ended up uh, being probably the fifth part of that uh, Eric Carlson trade. But um, outside of that, I think Pajot plays with a lot more pace, can be used uh, in all situations. Although Tierney does play on the PK, Pajot is certainly a stronger penalty killer and I think just an all-around better player then you throw in the leadership factor that he has the A on his jerseys um, got to be I want to say the longest serving senator if not the second um, I just yeah I think it'd be a real shame to uh, to lose a guy at 27 years old it's not like he's going to break the bank Pilsy what do you think he's going to be asking for on his next contract well, that's just the thing, and I'm glad uh, you mentioned Tierney in there because I kind of had the same uh, thought process, Ross, because you're looking at that center position, and sure, you've got lots of guys in the pipeline, but when are they going to be ready to take uh, a really upgraded role in being a first or second line center in the NHL? Guy, I'm talking about guys like Josh Norris, Logan Brown, uh, Colin White, those guys. Even Schlappy. Are- 
Yep, even Schlappy. I mean, he's mostly been playing on the wing, though, hasn't he, in, in the NHL? In the NHL, yeah, but in Belleville, yeah. he's been 100% center. Even looking at him as a fourth-line center in the future isn't, isn't that bad if you look at the team and the guys that are in front of him. Yeah, and I mean, you guys know my opinion on Schlapik. I still think he's a really good trade piece that they should be looking to move to a team, but that's that's another topic. I think the problem with uh, Pajot Ross is I think he might be looking to break the bank. He's having a career season. Like you said, he's lighting it up shorthanded. I mean, I think he's probably one of the leaders in shorthanded goals uh, this year in the entire league. So a guy like that, he's going to be wanting a good paycheck and he's probably going to want some terms sitting at 27. Like personally, I would love to keep Pajot. I want to keep him for most of the reasons you listed off. Um, but I don't think you're going to get him on a three year deal, which would be great. Cause that would be that kind of buffer that would lead into the years of unparalleled success that the senators are planning on having that you can groom guys like white guys, like Norris guys like Brown, and you can have Pajot playing a first line center role or bouncing back down to a third line center role. Once those guys do develop, but Chris Tierney, I think is a really valuable piece. And the fact that he's an RFA, it gives the Senators a little more leverage to negotiate a contract with him. But the, then the problem you run with Chris Tierney is I don't think he's a guy that can bounce up and down the lineup like Pajot can. And I think he'd have a lot more value uh, being moved at the deadline and playing a third-line center role in a contending team. So I think you kind of have to pay Jean-Gabriel Pajot to keep him here. You kind of give him... Uh, some leverage uh, with the amount of money and term he's going to have, and you look to move Chris Tierney to a contending team at the deadline. Kind of funny. Uh, I want to piggyback off the point you mentioned with Pajot having a bunch of shorthanded goals. He's in a 10-way tie for the uh, the league lead with three shorthanded goals. Funny enough, uh, Chris Tierney also has three shorthanded goals, so both guys uh, getting the job done. And Vlad Nemesnikov has three as well. And uh, that was definitely my biggest point for Pajo. And I think you guys, you boys both think you should keep him. Well, I mean, it's unfortunate because I do like his leadership style and I like his game a lot. But I think you got to sell high in this situation because he is that great penalty killer and he can play with pace a little bit as well. As you mentioned, he's got three goals. Well, he's leading the team that has 11 shorthanded goals in Ottawa Senators and they're leading the league. So you got to think he's got a couple assists there as well. Another big one for me. The PK player, uh, he's over 50% on the draws, and he takes a lot of them. He's at 52.91%. And when I look at things like this, I kind of think, what are you going to get back for him? So I tried to look for a comparable trade, and last year nothing really fit, and I didn't want to go too far back because of how much the league's changing. But I'm Mel- Mikel Granlund out of Nashville last year had 16 goals in total. So J.G. Pajot's already... Uh, already surpassed that for sure. And he and Mikel Granlund fetched Kevin Fiala. So I don't think that's the best example of a comparable trade, but it is a good reminder that, you know, sometimes we all get locked on the idea of having a third first rounder and that would be unbelievable. But getting a guy like Kevin Fiala, young established NHL player could be a possible return as well. So Ross, what do you think about that? Oh, I think you have to go with picks if you're going and that panel last night with Drager and, and Bob McKenzie seemed to indicate that maybe a conditional first round pick where um, a lot of the teams who are most interested in him are teams that aren't even sure they're going to make the playoffs with how tight things are, especially in the Metropolitan with all five teams so close together. Um, whereas if he gets traded for, let's say, a second and a prospect, but then if they they get to the conference final or the Stanley Cup final, whatever the, the terms end up being, then it becomes a first round pick. 
Um, I, I don't think this trade is done ever without that potential of having a first round pick involved. That's where we'll end the first segment of the clash. I hope you guys liked it. We'll be looking at uh, other senators as we get closer to the deadline. And it's all about growth for Pierre Dorian. And he's got some decisions to make. But if you're a business owner and you have some decisions to make as well, and if you're a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Senators is a great way for your local business to reach passionate senators fans like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives you local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Senators fans and predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on Locked On. Local fans love to support local business, so text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team to achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. So as we move on in the show, not much to report in Belleville. Again, they don't play again till Friday against the Marlies. We talked about that on last night, on yesterday's show, sorry. And as we always do, we got a Shark Tank update for you. They're playing the Pacific Best Vancouver Canucks tonight, who have won three straight game games, sorry, including a win in the last game before the break over the Sharks. That one was 4-1. So we'll continue right along with that theme into Tankathon, where the last couple days and the last couple spins have produced first overall picks. So who wants to go first today, boys? Pilsy can give her a spin. All right, let's go. Ooh. All right, San Jose's pick, that is now Ottawa's pick, becomes the first overall pick, which I think would just would put a smile on so many Sens fans' faces. So you got to love seeing that. And then... Ottawa Senators, they're they're not really thinking about tanking. They're winning too many games, getting too many points lately. So that Ottawa Senators pick bounces all the way down to seventh. So you get first and seventh, which, like, I, I'm not sure what happened with your spins yesterday, boys, but Parley and I, we got a first round, our first overall pick in, in our uh, picks a couple shows ago. And we both agreed it doesn't, I don't think it matters at all where that second pick ends up if we get the first overall pick somehow. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I had on my spin yesterday San Jose's pick, so we brought that up as well with San Jose's. All right, I'll give mine a spin here. Uh, we should mention every time that uh, where where they kind of sit. So right now, Ottawa has the fifth best odds, sixth best with the San Jose pick. And the simming is there, and this might be the worst spin of all time. Both picks down two spots. Ugh. So Ottawa drafting seventh with their own pick and eighth with the San Jose pick that is almost as poor of a situation as possible only uh could have been one worse wow yeah let's quickly move on from that one my spinning is happening and no movement five and six for me today Los Angeles hopping up to number one and Ross you called them tank experts Anaheim weasels their way into number two for the second straight time for me that would be brutal five and six 
Just so, stay the same? Just a quick update. So far, the seventh overall pick has come up the most, which is not ideal. No, not at all. Dropping? Well, the last two times, though, it did come up with a first overall pick. Yeah, fair. Uh, lots of time here uh, as as they go down. The Senators with an 18-23-9 record for 45 points here. Well, that'll wrap it up for us today. This is the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your number one local sports daily podcast network. This is Locked On Senators. Thanks for listening. We will be back probably Friday morning 